and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. And so this morning, this isn't just concerning marriages. This is concerning any type of relationship you may be in. Communication is the key to having a healthy relationship. How many know that by, by raising a hand? You know that. Just at the top here, I'd like to just ask a question. And I want your feedback right now. Um, what are some of the reasons you think lead to divorce? Just, I want to hear you say them. Just shout them out. Selfishness. Selfishness. Money. Money. Those are two great ones. And, and, and Not being honest about your feelings. There we go. Let's get real right here. Not being honest about your feelings, right? That's a big one. Now, there's many others. There's, there's many, many more uh, that, that, that will follow up, that we can follow up on this. But really, one of the main ones is communication, is you're not being transparent, and that's part of being honest, with your spouse. It's not communicating to them. It's, it's giving them information, which communication is a part of that, is giving communication. But the other half of that is receiving it. Are they receiving it? And nobody's going to receive your communication if you're saying it. Well, if you only did this, or if you only did that, nobody's going to receive that. And I know none of you here do that or have ever done that, so you don't have that problem. But again, communication is the topic I'm going to be speaking on this morning. And again, it's not just directed at couples. It's directed at every one of us here today because whether you realize it or not, whether you're communicating with your parents, with people at school, in the workplace, you have to be honest. You have to be connecting with them. Amen? And I want to remind us here of this Family Matters sermon series, part three that we're on today. But God created the family as a way to show his love and care. So you see, the family unit is God's divine design. God didn't just, or your family didn't just come about by accident. It's a divine design. Did you know the way a Christian family loves each other is a direct reflection of the God that they love? Did you know that? In other words, how you communicate with your family. Do you do that with love? Do you do that with love? Well, then that's the God you serve. Or, or is it always pointing, criticizing? Then that's the viewpoint you have of a God. And that's, that's, that's a very sad condition. Family matters are about showing the love and grace of God to those closest to us. I think I, if I can say this correctly, if I can remember correctly, um, we know that Jesus was a man of grace and truth, the Bible says. Did you know that to share communication without truth is wrong and then to share communication without truth and grace is evil think about that for a second if you share a truth say you're directing a comment to your spouse or to your child or child to your parents without grace without without God's love in that it's an evil hateful comment or at least it can be so we must learn to be careful how we express ourselves. Do I get an amen with that one? How many have been ripped apart with words? And you don't have to say who it was, but all of us have at some point. All of us have. And you have to walk away from that thinking, man, that person's uptight. 
That person needs to get out more often. That person needs a vacation. All of us have had that happen to us because that person didn't know how to communicate. And so I want to help all of us this morning, and I want to talk to you about how can I communicate better? That's our first point here. How can I communicate better? And again, this is going to help us as individuals, as, as spouses, as, as believers. And as I said at the outset, communication is about connecting. Amen? It's about connecting. And there's a foundational principle, and I want to read this scripture to you. And if you don't mind standing one more time, I want to read this, and then we're going to pray. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 3. There's foundational principles found in the Word of God. And this is the one I want to read to you today. Verse 3, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your truth that is found in your Word. Now we pray that, Lord, you would help us to open our hearts to receive that truth, that we might be able to communicate with those around us and to establish that foundation in each of our lives. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So again, how can I communicate better? How can I communicate better? It's not about information, just sending out facts. Some of us are good at just presenting facts. In fact, if there, that's one of my many weaknesses is I'm very good at giving you facts, but I'm hopefully connecting with you on that same token. I don't want to just present facts without substance, without a connection. Um, and that's one of the things, because I do it at work. It's, a, it's about numbers in my job, and, and I'm presenting facts all the time, because how many know numbers don't lie? Numbers don't lie. And um, so it's about facts. But communication is much more than facts. Are you listening while you're communicating? Are you listening? So I'm going to pick on the men right now. Pick, pick on the men. Are you listening or are you just hearing her? Huge difference. Huge difference. Are you listening to mom or are you just hearing? It's going in one ear out the other. Because we all do that. We all do that if we're not careful. We just, we just hear, but we don't listen. Listening, I'm talking about connecting. Is, I'm talking about making eye contact. I'm talking about making the time to get real, be transparent, but connecting with that person. Amen? Jesus always did that. Jesus had many one-on-one moments with people, and he connected with them. He's our example of how we should do this. Amen? What we need to do is we need to pick the right time and the right location. How many know there's a right time to connect, and there's a, a, there's a right location as well? If, if you're angry at your spouse, if you're angry at your parent, you don't go strike up that conversation when you know they're angry. Okay? That's not the right time. Uh, shopping in the middle of Target is not the right time either to bring that conversation up. On the way to church isn't necessarily the right time to go there. God help those that were arguing in the car this morning. Okay. That happens, right? That happens to all of us. But again, there's a right time and a right location. Think about that. And then more importantly, be present in that conversation. There's nothing worse than if, if Anna's home before I am at work, come home from work, and then, uh, of course, first thing, you know, I usually greet her, I give her a kiss, and then, and then she wants to talk. 
And, uh, you know, how many know what I'm talking about this morning? Your spouse wants to talk, and you just got home, and we men, at least this man, needs to unwind. That means, put my, let me put my stuff away. Let me, uh, you know, I might have to make a trip to the bathroom. I mean, there's a gazillion things I want to do, but I want to talk to you. But in that moment, I'm not present with you. And that's, I, I can't help it. I'm not present. I want to be present, but if I stand there and listen, I'm just hearing. I'm not listening. How many know what I'm talking about? And conversely, women as well, it's the same thing. When us men, we want to talk, it's usually at 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night as we're doing pillow talk, right? Okay, let's get real. We start talking to you and women are like, go to bed, honey. Go to bed, honey. And that's just being real. Be present. Pick the right time and location. You know, there's a Dr. Henry Cloud, a well-known psychologist, Christian psychologist, said the following. Texting is a brilliant way to miscommunicate how you feel and misinterpret what other people mean. How many ever had an issue with a text before? Believe me, it happens. This happened to me. Uh, and and we got to be careful. I often send group texts. I'll... I'll because I learned a, a while back, I indicate when I send the group text, this is a group text, okay? So you may see responses on your, depending on how you have your phone hooked up or set up, you may see responses that won't make any sense to you. And so I always am careful. This is a group text, red flag warning right there. So you may see something that you thought was directed at you, and you know how crazy things happen. Texting is a terrible thing in, in some instances. People can miscommunicate, misinterpret a text. So it's always better to be present. I know this younger generation, this is how they break up nowadays, via text. I no longer want to be with you, via text. That's a sad day if any of us have to do that with, in our relationships. I, I no longer want to be married. I'm going to send down a text. No, God forbid. Amen. Be face-to-face. Be a man. Be a woman. Be, don't, don't send anybody a text like that. Number two, in how can I communicate better is learn to listen. You know, the problem with most communication is as we're listening to somebody, all we're doing is we're not listening, but we're formulating what we're going to respond or how we're going to respond. We're not receiving it. We're not listening, but we're, we're getting ready to respond. And, and I know, I know, because I do that. And, and so that's the problem with most of us as communicators. We have to learn to listen. Okay, what is that person saying to me? What is, what is it that they're really trying to say? And how can I, how can I listen? The scripture says in James chapter 1 and verse 19, and all these scriptures I'm going to mention are on the back of your outline. It says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen Slow to speak and slow to get angry. That's a good one for you to memorize. Let me repeat that again. You must be quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Words of wisdom right there if I ever heard any. Amen. And life will teach you that. Life will teach you that real quickly. Number three, how can I communicate better? Listen to learn. You know, everybody that wants to communicate something is, is, is got something useful. You can grab something, a nugget out of it. But what is it that, that they're wanting you to learn from them? 
We have to listen for the very purpose of, listen, of learning. We have to listen for the very purpose of learning. Now, there's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a huge difference. What are they saying? Um, are you making eye contact with them? Are, are they, do they know that you're present? Or are you sitting there watching the game on TV while your spouse is trying to listen to you? Or you as a, as a young child, are you, you got your headphones on and mom or dad's trying to talk to you and you won't leave your phone, you won't leave your iPad, whatever it is. Take the time to listen. It's important. Amen? Listen to learn. And then sometimes during that process, you have to learn to empathize with that person. Sometimes you have to, when someone's communicating to you, you have to learn, okay, what is it that they must be feeling this? It's a strong emotion. I got to really pay attention to this. If you're married, that's one-on-one right there. That's marriage 101. We have to learn to empathize. What is that spouse feeling? Why are they saying what they're saying? There has to be a reason for that. Philippians 2.4 says the following, Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's not just about you. Everybody say that with me. It's not about me. It really isn't. It's about those around you. The sooner we can all learn that, I promise you, I promise you, it will go much better for you. Amen? Are you really understanding where that person's coming from? Are you understanding your child if they're hurting and venting at you as a parent? Are you, are you really understanding your spouse if they're venting and looking at you in, a, in an emotional way? Are you understanding where they're coming from? You know... Not that it would happen here, but, you know, we, we, we see families that break up. We see families that break up left and right. In fact, it's no secret that most marriages have a 50-50 chance of surviving. We all know that. And it's only increasing. That number's increasing. But um, say, say they, they're having a tough time. You know, marriages do this, young people. Marriages do this. It's not always mountaintop experiences, but marriages and every marriage, every marriage does this. But we hopefully try to balance it out where it's not so high and not so low, but we get this thing going here where it's steady, where it's steady. And it takes work. It takes work. And sometimes you have to empathize and understand what, where your spouse is coming from. Are they hurt? And why are they hurt? Have I not been... Giving my wife attention? Have I not been, been giving her eye contact and listening to her and really hearing her? Or am I just, am I not even there? Am I just glued to the TV, glued to my um, phone and saying, not now, honey. I got to answer this email from work. Not now. Um, or what, what do you got to say? Because this program's really good. You know, am I, am I communicating like that? Then I'm showing her she's not important. I'm showing her that I don't value our relationship. So we have to, be, we have to learn to be aware of their emotions. Here's, here's another saying that's often said. It says this, effective communication requires more than the exchange of information. Communication is information, but it's much more than that. It's connecting with your audience. It's connecting with the person that you're having a a, a talk with. And then number four, how can I communicate better? Be careful what you say. 
Be careful what you say. Don't, don't be, you know, uh, I, I shared something with, with my brother Dan last night. I'm not going to repeat that here because it's nobody's business, but I shared something that was just amazing to me. It was amazing to me, a comment that was made, nothing here, but people say stupid things. How many know that? People say stupid things. And that's going to happen. You may not be able to change the way they think, but people say the darndest things. And you're not going to change them. Only God has that power and ability to change somebody. Amen? We have to be careful what we say. How are we responding in a situation of high tension, high emotion? Are you cool, calm, and collected? Or are you just flying off the walls, bouncing off the walls, and just responding back and, and, and trying to match a person that's out of control? Because it's not going to get you anywhere. Amen? How are you responding? Proverbs 12 and verse 18 says the following. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. When stupid people say stupid comments, it doesn't bring healing. It's quite the opposite. Amen. Let's go on. How do you resolve a conflict? So, so we're communicating, trying to communicate better, but I'm in a conflict. How do I resolve that? Well, number one, resolve it as soon as possible. Don't wait on it. The Bible says don't let your, the sun go down on your wrath. If you're angry at somebody, try and get it fixed. Kind of like that video we watched. Us men, we want to fix things, right? There's a way to do it. There's a time to do it. But if there's a conflict, don't wait on it. Try to get it resolved. How many know that if you wait on it, it only gets worse? It only gets worse. It, it wears at you, and it wears at the person on the other side of that conflict. One of the things that we commonly do is, as people, not just as believers, but we hold on to hurts from the past. We hold on to hurts from the past. You got to let go if you want to get healthy spiritually. You got to let go. You cannot hold on to the hurts from the past. Number one, did God forgive you? Yes. I didn't hear you. Did God forgive you of all your sins? Amen. Amen. Then why can't you forgive that person? of their wrongdoings towards you. Amen? It starts there. Let go of hurts from the past. Are you not letting go? Because here's what happens. You know, Anna and I, you know, we could, we, we don't ever do this, which is great in our relationship because there's certain guidelines, certain foundational principles. We said when we got married, we're never going to bring up the D word. And every married couple knows what that is. We're never going to argue in front of the, the kids. We're going to, we're not going to disrespect each other. There's a line that we will not cross. There's words, vocabulary that we will not say at each other. We will never use foul language to each other because that's not part of our vocabulary anyways. And because of that, we've had a very healthy relationship. But here's the problem with a lot of couples is, is all of a sudden they have a moment or maybe it's a relationship with, with mom or dad and you're having a, an issue today, and all of a sudden you bring up what happened last week. And then you bring up what happened last month. And then you bring up what happened last year. You're not going to get well by doing that. You've got to let go of that past. You have to learn to say, it's over. It's done with. Buried. Forgiven. 
in the past. Amen? In fact, God doesn't even remember your past sins. He tells us that he throws and buries them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you again. That, to me, is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because God can't hold that against me ever. And so why should we bring up hurts from the past well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. How much money they took from me. I don't care how much money they took from you. You know, God can heal that. Amen. God can heal that. Amen. So be careful what you say. Re- resolve the conflict and resolve it as soon as possible. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 says the following. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Those are wise words for any couple here today or anybody that has a relationship that is in conflict. Try to resolve it as quickly as possible. And number two, make resolution the priority rather than winning or being right. You know, that's we co- talked about this last week is that many of us want to just be right. Well, It's my right to point that out because I was right and on and on and on. Hey, look, listen, you can choose to win the battle, but you're going to lose the war. Okay, what's more important? What is more important here? Did you know that unresolved stuff will prevent you from having a blessed relationship? When you have unresolved stuff in your in your past, it will prevent you from having a blessed relationship. And that goes along with with uh, trying to be right. You can try to justify it. You, you know, a lot of us, especially us men, right? Women, ladies, you, you agree with this? Men always want to be right. You know, a lot of us have that mentality. If we want to be right, and, and you women as well, you want to be right. But us men, we really force that upon women sometimes to our, to our deficit, to our, to our neglect. And we shouldn't be that way. It's not about being right all the time. You know, if I, if I, if I know that our mortgage bill was due this week and I, I tell Anna, well, you can't spend no money because I got to pay the mortgage and I got to insist that that's right. That's right. I got to insist on that. But if, if it's something minor, hey, quit trying to be just right. It's, it's about a bigger picture than that. Amen. It's a bigger picture than that. James 4.1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires of battle within you? There, there are selfish reasons, for the most part, of what causes fights. In fact, if I were to ask you sometimes here, when you have those big blowouts, if you've ever had a big blowout with anybody, if you go back and look at it, it was so silly. What the whole thing that started, the whole fight to begin with, it was silly. It was dumb. It never should have gotten to or escalated to that point. But that's usually how most, most conflicts end up. You, you look back and go, I can't believe it's gotten to this point. I cannot believe it. And that's because we're selfish in our nature. We're selfish. Number three in how to resolve a conflict is focus on the present. Everybody say that with me. Focus on the present. Yes, focus on the present. What that means is quit living in the past and seek forgiveness. Forgiveness, every single one of these Last three Sundays, I've talked about family matters. Forgiveness is involved in that. Forgiveness is huge. If you're living in unforgiveness, you can't move on. This is as far as you're going to go. If you cannot 
be willing to forgive a person, you cannot go past this point. I promise you, you cannot. There's a wall right here, a force field. You cannot go past that point until you have forgiveness in your life. Quit living in the past mistakes and in lack of forgiveness. It's not until you acknowledge that, yes, I've been hurt, but I forgive them because I want to move on. I want to move on. And then number four, own your part of the conflict. What that means is here, Nobody's perfect. Nobody here is perfect, including Pastor Rick. Nobody here is perfect. We all make mistakes. Own it. Own it. That means sometimes saying, I was wrong. Anybody have a hard time saying that? You don't have to raise your hand, but some of us have a hard time saying, yeah, I was wrong. I made a mistake. For some of us, it's, it's easy to, to say, yeah, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I apologize. I need you to forgive me for that. Own your power, part of the conflict. Be accountable. Again, nobody's perfect. That's all anybody wants to see in a relationship, in a conflict. Okay, he's being accountable. We, we can move on from this point. How many know that if a person you're having conflict with, if they're accountable and step up and say, yeah, I, I recognize that. I blew it. How many know that you can move on from that point? But it's when that person says, no, that's not my fault. Uh, that wasn't my job. Oh, boy. You know, if you hear that at at the workplace, that wasn't my job. That's not in my job duties. That's not in the SOP, whatever it is. You don't want to hear that. You just want people to say you were accountable. You know, I'm accountable. I take full responsibility. It's my fault. Amen. We have to learn to be accountable. Matthew 7, verse 3. Matthew 7 and verse 3. Um, Let me me read this here because... It's, it's missing from my outline here. Matthew 7, verse 3 is talking about removing the plank from our eye here. And Matthew 7, verse 3 says the following. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I'm going to keep going. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your own brother's eye. In other words, check yourself. Check yourself. Where are you at? Where are you coming from? Oftentimes, it starts right here, and we have to recognize that. It starts right here within us. Amen? Number five. Be willing to forgive. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. Be willing to forgive. Forgiveness is the key to having a healthy relationship. As I mentioned, if you're unforgiving, if you have an unforgiving spirit, it's as far as you're going to go. Spiritually or in a relationship with a person, you can't go past this. The, The Bible says if you have a problem with your brother, with your sister in the church, you come to the altar, you, you forgive them, you ask them, first of all, one-on-one, to forgive you of that. You bring it to God and say, Lord, forgive me of that attitude, of that spirit of unforgiveness. Once you've spoken to them and cleared the air, you resolve it, you take care of it, you get forgiveness, amen? amen. And then as I, number six, again, as I touched on, pick your battles. You may want to win the war right now, but if by winning that war you lose, or excuse me, by winning that battle... You lose the war, what have you gained? Nothing. You've lost everything. And that's so important in relationships. 
Just because you may be right, you may be right, but you still need to work on that relationship. You may have to let some things go. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you have to let things go in order to have a good relationship. Don't have to be, you don't have to always be right. Amen? You got to know, as the old song says, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. Amen? Every good card player knows that. And everybody that, that works at their relationship knows that. You got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. There's some things and sometimes I know I need to keep my mouth shut and not say a single word because it's not going to do me any good. And there's other times I need to speak up. And between Anna and I, we do that very well because we've learned, we work at it, we work at it. Now, are we perfect in that? No. Sometimes there's hurtful things that come out, and right away, though, we're quick enough to say, I'm so sorry, I, I, I didn't mean that to say anything like that. And that's very rare when, when we do do that. But we're quick to fix that. Because we don't want to have a day ever go by where there's tension between us like that. I'll tell you right now, I've never had to sleep on the couch, okay? I'll just tell you that right now, because we work at it. Now, has she had to sleep on the couch? No, I'm just kidding. She's never had to sleep on the couch either. Because we work at it. We work at it. Amen? Pick your battles. Even with your children, we have to learn to pick our battles. You know, there's nothing worse than the nagging mother, the nagging father. Always clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. Don't, are you done with your homework? Come on, how many times do I got to tell you? Now, children... You need to do your homework. You need to clean your room. It shouldn't look like a tsunami hit it. It shouldn't look like a hurricane hit it. It should be decent. It should be clean. We don't want to be nagging at you, but if our kids just see the nagging parent, they're not going to respect that. Are you taking the time in other instances to connect with them, to communicate with them, to tell them that you appreciate them, that you love them for who they are? Because if all they ever hear is you nagging, I promise you that's going to create a, a distant relationship. Amen. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Peter, uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, says the following. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Amen. All of us should be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Imagine if all of us in our relationships, whatever relationship that might be, spouses, uh, parental, workforce, if we were all of that like mind, how much better it would go in this world? But unfortunately, it, life isn't like that. But it starts with you. Every one of you have the power to live that way and to overcome conflict, to overcome lack of communication in your life. Amen? And then leads us to our, our final point here. What do I do if it seems hopeless? How many have ever been in a relationship or a conflict or a communication battle where it just seemed hopeless? Where it was not going to get better. 
You know, we, we've all been there or seen something like that, experienced it in some form, shape, or fashion. But here's the one thing that's always been amazing to me when I've seen that as a pastor and just being in the church is the failure of people to call on God for help. It's like they'll do everything else, but they'll forget to look to God to help them in that time. That to me just amazes me because if it doesn't start with our Heavenly Father, don't waste your time with anything else. It's not going to work. It's got to start with His help first. Amen? Call on God for help. He's always available 24-7. He's always available. What are you doing in the middle of your trial, if that's you today, where something to you might seem hopeless, a relationship might seem hopeless? What are you doing? Are you calling on God today? James chapter 4 and verse 2 says, So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Whoa. That's an indictment on those of all of us here that don't take the time to present our needs before God. We have to present our needs before God. How is he going to answer the prayer? And he already knows the need, but it's not that he doesn't know it. He wants you to rely on him, to trust in him for resolution. Amen? So what can I do if it seems hopeless? Number one, call on God. Number two, you got to convene a peace conference. That means you got to have a timeout. You got you to gotta find common ground with the other person. Sometimes you have to agree to disagree. Agreeably is the way I like to put it. You have to agree to disagree agreeably. You will not agree with everybody 100%. Um, young people, spouses today don't agree on everything. Spouses have to come to a resolution at times on how you're going to do this, how you're going to spend money, how you're going to raise kids, how, where you're going to live, and many choices. You, we have to come up with resolutions, but we have, it starts with agreeing. It starts with agreeing with each other, Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 says the following. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. In other words, God's not going to receive anything you have until you make peace with that person. You can come to church all you want. You can come on Wednesday night Bible studies. You can come or you can turn on TBN and listen to all the religious broadcasting you want. You can listen to K-Love and, and 1190. Uh, you can AM. You can listen to all the radio Christian talk in the world. But if you have a problem with your brother or sister, it doesn't do you any good because God has not forgiven you. You don't have peace in your spirit. How many know that there's no peace until you resolve it? How many know that you won't have peace in your soul and in your spirit until you resolve a situation? God wants us to do that. Amen. Amen. James chapter 3 and verse 17. And I realize I'm throwing a lot of scriptures out there, but they're on the back of your outline so you can digest these later. Amen. James 3 and 17 says the following, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Ooh, let me, let me repeat that 
And I want you to think about the relationships closest to you as I describe these words, is that you? But wisdom that comes from heaven, heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Is that describing you today? Is that describing each of you today? Wisdom will give you that. How do you ask for wisdom? You get wisdom? You ask God for it. The Bible says you have not because you don't ask Him. You need to ask Him for wisdom. And then our third point here, our third point here in what do I do if it seems hopeless is concentrate on reconciliation. You must you must be thinking of a reconciliation point. You can't be just, well, it's never going to work. I might as well just give up. What's the point? It's useless. You know, I don't know if you've ever had, an, not talking about spouses here, but a relationship maybe with a close friend, and they're no, they're no longer that close friend. Maybe you, you, you had a conflict that came up with them, and you no longer deal with them. And you know that the Bible here is telling us to reconcile with all men, reconcile. You're not to have a, an issue with any person. You do your part. Now, it's up to them to reciprocate. You can't control what they do, but uh, on your part, you are to do your best. Amen? And again, when you do that, God brings you peace. Peace that passes all understanding floods your spirit because there's nothing worse than living in bitterness and anger and disgust even sometimes at the mention of somebody's name, you know? We've all had issues with people, I grant it. We've all had issues with, with people. And right now, as I said that, you thought of somebody that just brings something out in you, brings something out in every one of you. And, and as I said that, I'm thinking of people, right, in my, my past. But you have to learn to bring peace to that situation. And the only way you're going to bring peace to that is by being reconciled, doing your part. Do your part. When you do your part, it's amazing the peace you can have. Now, if they don't reciprocate, that's on them. You can't control that on their part, amen? So who's your peace this morning? Are you looking for it in your family? Is, is, is your 401k your peace? I hope not, because those things go up and down every day, believe me, um, and more down than anything. Is your peace in, in, in your spouse? Is it in your children? Is it in your job? Is, is that what brings you peace? Now, those are byproducts of having peace in God. Peace in God. God is your peace. And he blesses you with those things of a job, of a family, the family unit, and so forth. But your peace should never, ever be found in what's around you. It should be found in God alone. Amen? Amen. Reconciliation can only come from our Heavenly Father. It can't be found in your job, in your spouse, in your family. Amen? The, here's another thing regarding reconciliation. Did your, did your spouse offer you a wonderful compliment? Did your, did your mother, father offer you children a wonderful compliment? Did you receive that? Or did you just say, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, you always say that. Did you receive that? Because Helping to develop a relationship, a, a reconciled relationship, is also receiving that. Amen? It's, why, well, thank you. You know, 
oftentimes we say, oh, yeah, thank you, but, you know, I just did my hair today, or, you know, there's, there's a, there's a second, there's a, there's a comment we always give back when we get a compliment. A lot of times we often forget to just say, thank you. Punto.com in Spanish. Right there, just, that's it. Just say thank you. Receive it. There's, you don't have to go on and on. Oh, well, this whole thing, you know, oh, that's a beautiful shirt. Oh, this whole thing I bought at the secondhand store. Just say thank you. That's all. Very clear, succinct. That's all we need to say, amen? And that will, that will help in, in, in contributing to that relationship, amen? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 is our last scripture. For he himself is our peace, talking about Jesus, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Only the Lord can break down those barriers. Only the Lord can break down barriers between you and anybody else in reconciliation. Amen? Now here's what I want to challenge you with this week. Here's your homework assignment, okay? Every one of you, I don't care how old, how young, you need to do this. Ask someone what area you can be a better communicator in. Ask someone, how can I be a better communicator? Do, do I need to make better eye contact with you when I'm talking to you? Do I need to be more present in the conversation? Do I need to, what is it, following up? Uh, what do I need to do? Um, that's one of the things I always look at. Um, I love to listen to people that uh, communicate. Uh, I love to hear how they communicate. I've listened to people like Tony Robbins. You, you, everybody's heard Tony Robbins. Uh, pastors on communication because I want to connect with people. Because if you can't connect, be transparent, be real, and connect, you're only presenting worthless information. And I don't want to just give you worthless information. I want you to be able to see how it's applied and to see it applied in your life. Amen? Will you receive that this morning? Amen? Let's learn to be better communicators this morning. And as we close this morning, I want to pray that uh, God would help us to communicate on an everyday basis, not only with our families, but with those around us, that they would see the light of Christ living in us, like Wayne right now in that hospital, that they would see the light of Christ working through him. Uh, there's another person that I didn't mention here today, but how many remember Sister Mike that sits up here in the, in the wheelchair? She got out of the rehab center, the rehabilitation senior citizen center she was in, she got out last Monday, and she's in Lake Tahoe right now with her family, enjoying quality family time. She was going to go see her grand or her grandkids, and she was so looking forward to that because she was in hospitals and in a rehabilitation center for about a month. And there's no place like home is what she kept telling me on the phone. And so I'm so happy for her that she's home or with her loved ones. Don't forget that. There's nobody more important than the loved ones around you. Let's not take them for granted. You know, I, I have my family here every Sunday, and uh, I don't ever want to take them for granted. Those that come and help out here Sundays, you all help out so much. I don't ever want to take you for granted. You guys are awesome. I brag about you everywhere I go. Uh, I tell those Napa people at the Napa campus, you don't have half the people we have in terms of time, talent, treasures, and they don't. That's, they really don't. And so my brother knows. My brother knows. And 
I don't ever want to take any of you for granted. I love you very much. I thank you that you're part of this church. Continue to just share the love of God. Continue to share the love of God with your relationships. Amen. Will you do that?